We are your sons. We thank you for that truth, God. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we praise God together? All right, you guys can have a seat. If you're on the panel, if you could head on up. All right. So I had this idea to have a panel of guys who I've all been inspired by. And these are all what I'm calling extraordinary men that are doing amazing things in our community and beyond. And so I'm really excited to have all of them. And I think you guys will be blessed by their stories and the things that they're doing. So I'm going to let you guys just kind of share a little bit about yourselves for that first question. You know, a little bit about you and, and your family, your life, your hobbies, whatever. So go ahead. Cool. I'm Ryan Wong. Uh, <coughs> uh, it's a couple of groups over there. But, uh, but it's been uh, great that, uh, so I have a, a wife, been married for five years, have a son named Maverick for three years, so we kind of have a common bond with the uh, sons. And uh, hobbies, obviously uh, golf. Uh, so if any of you guys are into golfing, uh, I run the golf ministry here. So uh, also, not too many golfers here, but uh, <laughs> also just into anything sports related, uh, anything that's not height related, because that's not a gift that I got. Uh, but uh, love eating. Uh, <laughs> so this was a great night, great job. Uh, meal team six, that was amazing barbecue. Um, super <laughs> grateful for that. So uh, that's where, uh, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, uh, David Meek. Uh, drop my glasses. Hey, thanks. Um, I uh, I love uh, well my family. My wife uh, Cindy of uh, just over 29 years. We've got three adult children. Uh, they are all married. Thankful that they're all married. Two grandkids, and I have my son here, uh, Samuel. He's in the back. Uh, he just finished out his time with the Marines. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, hobbies, uh, you know, I love to do outdoors, uh, love to hunt, love anything that I can shoot. I love to, uh, to run, and uh, I love to mountain bike. I just got back from overseas. Uh, my son decided to take me out and smash my face. Uh, almost, you know, it lost some teeth, whatnot. Uh, but uh, uh, my uh, favorite foods, I love pickles. I'm a pickle fanatic, yeah. And I... And I loved uh, barbecue, yeah. Go for it. Yep. My name's James Lowe. Uh, I'm 39 years old. I live in a van down by the river. Um, nope. I'm married now with two young daughters, eight and four. Um, I coach baseball to kids. That's my gig. And... I love it. I, I love a lot of things, and I'm able to marry all of them into this one job, which is coaching our youth. So I love golf. I love playing the drums. I love 
sitting down and doing nothing. Um, but honestly, I really love this. Like, anybody who shaped me is, was a man of God. Um, my older brother's a pastor. My mentors were pastors. And men of God shape every word I say and every, every team meeting I hold with a kid. So good on you guys for this. Thank you. It's an, honor, it's an honor to be here tonight. Thank all of you for allowing me to be part of your evening. Great food. My name is Phil Aguilar, Pastor Phil Aguilar, a.k.a. The Chief is my nickname. And i uh, been married to my beautiful wife for 44 years. I got six children. I got 23 grandchildren. So uh, my hobbies are just watching my grandkids and having a good time and getting high on Jesus. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Uh, so why don't you guys share uh, briefly about what you're doing in the community that is having great impact on people. Cool. So I just co-founded a ministry about just two years ago called Step Forward Academy, and we're focused on ending poverty through career development, through mentorship and coaching. So um, that kind of got born out of this actually church, and so I'm just honored to be a part of it and serving in it, and that's where, uh, where we're at right now. I've got uh, kind of two, two lines of effort for me. Uh, for the last 29 years, I've been an educator. Uh, and uh, that education course kind of took uh, place dealing with at-risk kids. But then about uh, almost 14 years ago, I resigned from my position uh, as a high school principal and joined the military. And so for the last 14 years, uh, I've been serving uh, in the United States Army on top of that job, uh, just recently de uh, returned from my third deployment uh, from overseas, and uh, God's been using uh, my 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 life, my my what He wanted to do in my life from the time I gave my life to Him when I was 17 um, to to go out and do His work. And as an educator, I never thought that God would actually. Um, take me to orphanages and classrooms in Afghanistan and be able to use uh, what he wanted to, to, uh, to, to accomplish. You know, I think about Ephesians 3.20, that he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you can ask or imagine. I never imagined that back when I was 17 years old and I got the call to teach in a classroom that God would actually take me to Afghanistan uh, all those years later. And so those are some of the th things that I'm doing, and I'll probably share more later on. Yeah. Well, I've coached baseball for 20 years, but I really saw a problem with youth sports about eight years ago where kids were overwhelmed by the game, um, and there was a lot of negativity coming from the dugout of the bleachers, so... It really became a passion and a mission of mine to change the culture and, and make the, uh, the game of baseball and youth sports more about fun and building character. Um, so I, I tell a lot of stories about Roberto Clemente, who was all about being kind and, and also uh, a veteran of the Marine Corps. Um, Jim Abbott, overcoming adversity. Daryl Strawberry. Um, these kids need it, and, and uh, I didn't really understand that until I had a few kids come to me and just say, 
I'm going to quit the game. I'm going to quit baseball. There's too much yelling. There's too much negativity. Umpires. It just. And I thought, man, this is a beautiful game. And, and so many life lessons come from it. And so many of my mentors were my coaches. These kids need that. Um, so that's what I'm doing. So, Coach, really quick, I have a couple more questions. Coach actually coached two of my boys. And one of the more impressive things is that he lets every student or player come up with a nickname but you have how many different guys that you and girls that you're remembering how many names are you remembering and he remembers all of their names well I mean the record in one day was 73 (laughs) but uh I just look at their face and I ask them hey what's your nickname and if they don't have one I say well what's your favorite animal what's your favorite thing to do and uh, and uh, you had applesauce and yeah, that, he just loved applesauce. So that that was that was his nickname. But hey, and it, just because it's so amazing, one of the ways that you tell uh, them to be prepared for a ground ball is is how how do, you, how do we do that? Well, you got to throw animal references in there. So there's 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 the shape of a triangle, and then there's an alligator mouth where you uh, smack the alligator. But before that, you've got to be down and ready, so you've got to dance on a toilet. And you've got to hold pizzas in your hand while you're dancing on a toilet. And I, I think I should just sing the song because... I think you should. Honestly, you really need to. Now that I'm in this position, so sumo, sumo, dance, dance, everybody dance on a toilet and hold pizzas in your hand. Excellent. So, and he has about kids. 40 more of those kind of things, and my kids have never loved baseball more after. Well, I started, had a rough start in life, a uh, story like a lot of people, broken family, and so I ended up uh, doing drugs, became a dope dealer, but at 30 years old, thanks be to Jesus, got sent to Chino State Prison where I went from being a dope dealer to a hope dealer. I had a captive audience to preach Jesus to there, and my message was how to be happy in prison. And then uh, since I've been out of there, I've got to plan a number of churches around the world, different places, start a place called the Dream Center in Los Angeles, California. So I've been a busy beaver for Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Phil. So what inspired you to start, I mean, whether it's coaching, nonprofit, join, I mean, you kind of shared, David, but joining the military, whatever that, what, what was the inspiration behind saying yes? Well, <coughs> I've just learned. I'm, By the way, you guys don't have to go in order, but you could. You could. We're, we're just very organized guys right here. <coughs> but amongst like some really dynamic people up here, and it's just, and it's kind of funny where I'm like, man, my story is kind of, it's, it's an Orange County story. It's a, it's the bubble story. Um, I, I grew up here in the bubble. Like I, I grew up here in the church. I was literally remembering worshiping here as a kid, going to Sunday school over there. And so um, I think how this all came about was part of my testimony. So I'll try to keep it really short. But went prodigal son in high school. And um, one of the things that I just didn't feel that it was my religion. It was my dad's religion. And um, but through that, um, I knew that was going to break my dad's heart, but I just had to be real with him. And then 
what ended up hopping out of that, instead of my dad pushing me away, he pulled me closer. And we actually bonded over the game of golf. And when I went away to college, I did father and son, we did an annual father and son uh, golf trip. And that was one of the best things we ever did. Um, <clears throat> and then on top of that, I uh, studied abroad, got addicted to traveling. So my dad offered me a free trip to Israel. And that was probably one of the best free trips I ever got because that's when I was like, all those Bible stories that you told me are real. Um, I just literally felt the Holy Spirit come alive. Um, and it, it was incredible. And while I was there, I was one of the oldest kids there because I was in college and there's a bunch of high school kids. And then hanging out with these high school kids, I just really enjoyed hanging out with them because they were having challenges in their faith. And then through that, I just really enjoyed working with youth. Um, and that led me to when I came back, I joined a Big Brother, Big Sister program, focused on mentoring. Um, and I did that. And um, I did that the 15 years I lived in the Bay Area. And through that all, I was just impressed. Like, actually, I got more out of mentoring than I think that they did. Um, I'm still friends with three of the four that I mentored. Uh, they're all um, adults, 22 and above now, which is crazy because I had them at 11 and 12. So I felt like if I had a high school kid, that was, that was them, which is just wild for me to think. Uh, but through all that, uh, the journey, I was in tech sales, thought I could be the multimillionaire at 20 years old, like a lot of the tech guys out in the Bay Area are these days, which is just wild. But um, it got to a point where I was like, I went, I founded a church that my junior high pastor, Chris Lagerloff, if some of you guys know from here, he showed me and literally that church changed my life. Um, and I love their mission statement was surround your entire life around Christ. And so that's what I needed to do. And my college buddies were not helping me on that path. So what I ended up doing was um, <clears throat> met my Met my bride at a club of all places in San Francisco. Um, was in the friend zone for a year. So if you guys need to know how to get out of the friend zone, <laughs> I can teach you. Um, <laughs> but what ended up happening was then we were just like, hey, we need to be all in. And so what did we do? We were like, hey, let's return to the orange bubble. And um, that's where I had family. My dad was here and he supported me. and He loved me. He married us. And through that, um, I started working. Um, I was in tech, and then I wanted to get out. I didn't know how. My dad, um, he's in ministry. He offered for me to support him on a golf tournament that ended up supporting the Orange County Rescue Mission. And the Orange County Rescue Mission, I love their solution to end homelessness. I was around homelessness all the time living in San Francisco. And I was like, I need to go there. And so I went there and uh, served over there for two and a half years. And then what I ended up seeing was what happens when people get out of homelessness. They don't really have that support system that I was so generously given my entire life. And so that's what we wanted to do with Step Forward. That's how it got born out of is who is supporting these individuals once they leave the program. And that's actually, that got born into a men's core team retreat where um, we had a guy named Dan who literally had this prayer and he said, you eager beaver, go. And I'm like, what does that even mean? What is it? And Dan, he loves doing animals, kind of like what you're talking about, animals. He does animal figures for all these speeches. And I was like, what does that mean? So I, I literally journaled, I prayed, I fasted, and I started talking to all my men's groups. I'm, lit I'm 
if you guys want community, you guys are coming to the right place. I love this church because it's given me community and support. And that's where I literally started bouncing the idea off of multiple guys. And then I was like, okay, I guess I really have to go. So Eager Beaver found a guy in my marketplace. He started multiple businesses, asked him to mentor me. And then, boom, 30, 90 days later, we started a nonprofit. Six months later, we were a 501c3. So it's just amazing what God can do in community uh, when you just surrender to him. So uh, going back to, for my situation, what got me started was, and what, where I really believed was, uh, when I was 17 years old, by the time I, I, I actually survived 17, um, was I came from a, a really difficult home uh, I grew up in Bakersfield, California, east side Bakersfield, and um, had a mom who was a heroin addict. Uh, uh, she was in prostitution. So by the time I was 15, um, I was on the streets. Um, and uh, by the time I was a senior, I was pretty much done with life. I had uh, missed at least one period or every, uh, or a full period, uh, or the, a full day, every day for all four years, I had a .89 GPA. So I decided on October 31st, 1987, uh, I was done and I took 90 sleeping pills. My mom's uh, pimp uh, was the one who um, uh, decided he wanted to call a pastor uh, because I was on life support and I was going to be, um, um, you know, they had to make a decision to um, uh, pull the, you know, shut ch the machine off. So from there, um, by God's grace, uh, two pastors came up and prayed for me. One was, um, who's been a part of my life, uh, ended up, uh, they prayed. I came out of the coma, had no idea who Christ was, but um, I uh, came out and met him and met him in a McDonald's and uh, accepted Christ. And uh, from there, the court ordered me, I had to go to school. Um, I had a reading level of a fourth grader and I'll just go really fast and just say, by that summer, I was asked to substitute in a third grade, reading, or third grade uh, Sunday school class. I couldn't read the lesson. I had to have people read me the lesson. And so all I know is I could understand pictures in the, and, and it was where Jesus was uh, sitting at a table and all the tables looked like they were on the ground. So I decided to take the legs off the table and I went and got some bread and I did everything. But I knew at that very moment I wanted to be a teacher. Um, and at the same time, I had been trying to go into the army, but I couldn't pass the ASVAB. Why? Because I couldn't read. And so I kept failing that because I really believed that's what I was supposed to do as well. So that got put on the back burner, but it never left my heart. Um, I ended up going to school. I failed uh, the, the principal at the alternative school that I got sent to after throwing the hockey stick at the PE teacher. Um, Never a good thing. They frown on those things these days. Um, uh, I, uh, the principal there gave me $200. I, I enrolled in college, first one in my family. It uh, took me uh, about five years to get, to get through a two-year school. Um, eventually got my, my, uh, my uh, undergrad and then finished three master's degrees. Um, but I knew that God uh, was calling me to go back to where I started my, my, uh, my, my calling, and that was with at-risk kids. 
um, I knew that God uh, wanted me to be back working with the kids, the same kind of kids that where I came from. And I knew what was going on, whether in the district or even wherever they were, somebody wasn't speaking their language and they needed someone to be by their side. So I would go out every time I had an opportunity to speak, I would go out there and speak every time I had an opportunity. And so I ended up making those opportunities. I created those opportunities and just asked God to, to use me. And I got to tell you, the first few times I can remember when I would go out and do these speaking events as a young guy, it was like, you know, Will Ferrell and, and Talladega Nights, you know, like, you know, like what, what do I do with my hands and, you know, and, and my friends, I, you know, friends are cruel. And then I would say, how did it go? They go, you looked awful, man. You just stared at the ground the whole time, you know? And, uh, you know, and you just, you just go out there, but then there would be one person that would walk up and say, thank you. I was going to go take my life today. And, you know, it was that, it was those sort of things. And then I go into the military and I, when I left, I handed my oldest daughter her high school diploma. Next day I'm in basic training with 17 year old boys. And I realized most of those young men that go in there, they don't have dads. Well, I realized then that God had a plan for putting me in there at such an old age because they all called me dad. Yeah. And you know what's happening right now? We're having an, an epidemic in the military where soldiers are taking their lives and they need someone who can speak truth to them. They need someone. And we're all struggling. And I know that these are the two areas that God's called me to every day. And I know that's exactly, and you know, you, there are people that are always telling us, this is, you shouldn't do that. You're not capable. You're not smart enough. But I knew that's what God was calling me. Back to the baseball coach. No segue here. Man. Um, well, I think it... So I go to Brown University and play four years of baseball, and I majored in business econ, and uh, then I moved to California, and I think a lot of my friends just went into Wall Street or you know, pursued that thing that maybe they loved, but not really, and luckily I had parents and friends that just wouldn't let me settle, because I knew I didn't love what all of my business friends were doing, and you know, now I look back and it's like, every time I sing Dance on a Toilet to 50 kids, I can tell them, I learned that at Brown University at an Ivy League institution. <laughs> but my parents, especially my dad, like, you're not going to go to a job you dislike. I won't allow it. Pursue. That meant waiting tables all through my 20s. That meant substitute teaching. That meant failing a math teacher exam three times. <laughs> I was going to be a middle school math teacher, and I couldn't pass that test. Um, it's a really hard test. <laughs> I believe it. And, and then I got a nice shove from my wife, who, who just saw that, I'd coach differently, and, and, and she's, it wasn't an ultimatum, but it was a, 
dude, come on, man, go. And uh, I was afraid to pass out a flyer or, or go up to anybody and say, come to my camp, you know. And then after seven years, I, I, would, I am hollering to all of you, come to my camp. Tell your kid to come to my camp. You should come. They'll, their life will be changed and they'll have fun. But um, I, w- I wasn't going to settle. Uh, I-, I was going to make sure I-, I love drums. I love entertaining. I love kids. I love uh, growing um, the character of the next generation. I love baseball. So uh, finding a way to make that my job. Um, thank you to my parents and my wife. Yeah. Thank you. Well, when I, when I gave my life to the Lord at Chino State Prison, I spent a couple of years locked up. When I got out, I went to Bible college. I wanted to learn more about the Bible. And uh, so I went to work for a church, uh, and the pastor says, bring a lot of people to church. So, I, okay, I did, but all the people I brought were all the dope fiends, uh, you know, uh, prostitutes, uh, people like my kind of people, you know. And uh, so I'm filling the church up with that, and other deacons' wives are getting mad at me for bringing the women in with no clothes on and all this kind of stuff. And so they, you know, the pastor says, you need to go start your own church. (laughs) So uh, on a beautiful Sunday night, they gave me the right foot of fellowship, and and next thing you know, I started in 1982 a church called Set Free Church. And uh, so, you know... Lord will use anybody. I know God's hard up, so he chose this black sheep to start that. And then just started getting excited, taking people in, just loving people right where they're at. And I just seemed to attract a certain kind of people, you know, into my life. And then so many of them with drug or alcohol problems that uh, sooner or later it finally came to the place where I realized I needed to open up a drug and alcohol, alcohol detox center. So... Went into business doing that, and my son's got a place called Better Days Treatment. And what we do is young and old people with all the fentanyl problems, all the problems, and kids in church all over the place. You know, so now we get to pull them in, you know, detox them off the drugs, and just slip in Jesus around every single corner and tell them that's where the real magic is and give them their life to Jesus. So now I'm full of getting to work with uh, young people every day, people with drug and alcohol problems mainly, but it affects the whole family, so I get to work with the moms, the dads, the grandparents, because sometimes there's enablers, you know, in their life. Sometimes there's people don't understand. You just don't say no, and so now it's just a beautiful ministry, and I love it. I work with small groups all the time. It's a lot of discipleship. It's a lot of heartbreak because it's epidemic, you know, it's an epidemic thing, and I just love what you're saying about having a parent. You understand it. You get it. And I get it, too. I know what it's like, too. You don't want to do the drug. You know, you, you want to say no. You want to stop it. And the very people you say you love, you end up taking all their money, taking anything you got, taking their whole life. And so um, I get to be a tool in the hand of God to work miracles and families by running a detox and alcohol treatment centers now. And that's very exciting to, to me. Thank you. F- Phil, is your... Phil, is your... Ch- is Set Free Church, you're still gathering, right? Uh, set Free, yeah, Set Free. We're start, still starting Set Free. Uh, John 8.32, you should know the truth. The truth will set you free. And Set Free is uh, the kind of ministry we go where pizza man don't deliver. <laughs> if you know what I mean. 
you know, to the highways and the byways out there, and that's just our kind of people, you know, and uh, people that, like I said, are depressed and discouraged, so we're still planning those churches, and we have them in Montana, Texas, uh, New Zealand, different places, and, uh, but it's, it's people got a calling that, you know, kind of like the, you know, the over-the-edge type characters in people like that, so we're still doing it today, yes. Awesome, and there's one... Aren't you leading one too right yeah, now? Yeah, I sure am. In too. North, North Orange County. So right over here in Orange County, we got a place, and I represent Wealthy Souls. It's one of my son's ministry. All my kids are in the ministry. Thank you, Jesus. And i uh, got a, another grandson that's here uh, today, and we just got him down where he's getting ready to enroll in Grand Canyon University, a Christian university. So excited about life. Yeah, so the next question is just share... Um, in the process of, of kind of going from ordinary to not ordinary, but, you know, from before you, you came into these different ministries or different things you were called to, um, what were some of the hardest obstacles that you have faced? I'm sure there's probably quite a few, but some of the hardest obstacles. You want to go back in order? No, we're going to have James go. Yep. <laughs> And just to change it up, the order. Yep. I mean, I remember working an entire Easter shift at a restaurant and just, you know, wanted to be an actor, wanted to be a musician, wanted to do something great that I loved. And, and here I am working all day at a restaurant, and I just got the worst tip uh, on like a huge bill. And I remember just walking out and very, very politely going up to the the, whoever paid the bill, and I just said, did I do an okay job? And he's like, oh, yeah. You, you realize, I'm j just throwing it out there, that was 2%. And, and I mean, that's rock bottom. Like, when you're just begging. And that was me. And, and, uh, and then somehow realizing, and I, it took steps and steps and steps, but realizing, no, this, this is part of it. Like, this is exactly what you needed. This punch in the face is exactly what you needed to just wake you up and, and let you know you're going to have to make a big jump. You're, you're going to have to get into jump in the scary soup and swim around a little bit because there is more there for you. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I can be a guy that just stays comfortable, but I had a dad, speaking of alcoholism, that was very comfortable being an alcoholic. And he's in the backyard when I'm six years old, and an angel comes down right in front of him, and he says, here's the deal. If you stop drugs and alcohol today, I'll cut it off in your bloodline today. He walks in the house. Mom looks at him. He doesn't say anything, and Mom says, Doug, you just got saved. And he says, uh, I, I think I did. And, and she said, your face, the, you, the darkness is kind of like gone from your face. 
And he hasn't had a sip since. He hasn't uh, taken any, any drugs or alcohol since that day. And it's like, man, if my dad can do that, then I, I can get over a 2% tip. I can try to be a youth baseball coach. And um, I thrive on it. I need it. That's good. Thanks. Uh, biggest obstacle, you know, I mentioned earlier was just dealing with failure. Uh, you know, my whole life uh, growing up, um, I would say for the most part, uh, and certainly through high school, my teen years, was I was marinating in failure. And so um, when I started my course moving out, uh, everything I was doing, it was just seemed to be met with failure. Even as I began my Christian life, um, separating from friends, you know, I had to shed the old relationships. Um, you know, uh, I would ride my bike up the hill to the school, see friends who had the nice cars. I was a bag boy, you know, all my money went to my rent, and then I would take tests and I would fail. And so having to repeat courses over and over, um, I took, you know, uh, you know, basic math, adding, subtracting, division, and I, you know, I couldn't, couldn't pass. And so I would be placed on academic probation, and I'd listen to them next door in the booth. They weren't very good about keeping their voices down. They would say, does he come to school every period? He's there every time. He just can't pass. You know, he, his writing is you know, horrific. And so, like, my big deal is I just wanted to put a comma in a sentence. I, I, did that, I wanted that so desperately because I thought, you know, if I could ever write a, a, a letter to a girl and put a comma in it, she's going to think it's a sexiest thing in the world, you know? And uh, <clears throat> so I'd, I'd like copy sentences and like try to graph something together. She probably couldn't even understand it. But overcoming the failure and then eventually what I did is I realized that, you know, God wanted me to make failure my friend and being able to just go real, realize that, you know, this is not forever. And it's kind of like, you know, one of the reasons I love running or I love any kind of, you know, like, really difficult event is I compartmentalize that um, and say, or even like, you know, a deployment, you know, and I would say that to my son. My son and I were deployed two times back to back recently, and I would say to him on his first, his first one, you know, just always remind yourself, break it up in long-term, short-term quarters, you know, this day is going to be over. This, this period is going to be over. It sucks right now, but it's eventually going to be over. Um, and so, um, just being able, how do you manage, uh, you know, failure? Do you, do you fall, you know, backwards or do you fall forward, get yourself back up and keep moving forward? Uh, for me, the biggest obstacle is my ego. Um, I, I, I remember, uh, if any of you guys know Sam Quinta, uh, he, he did the thing where your ego is not your amigo, and um, ego is edging God out, and literally that, that was my biggest challenge, uh, putting different idols in front of me, um, like just pursuit of money, pursuit of whatever, um, just my own human flesh, and then once I surrender that over, it's just amazing how God opened the doors, and literally that was my my calling when I came down here was like, I'm going to surrender everything. So I literally went all in. Anything that Tim 
put on a flyer or anything, I was there. Um, I, sh I showed up to pretty much everything I could, Tuesday mornings with Eric Hurd, like all of that stuff. And it's just amazing just as you just, as I continued to do it and just, just God filled me up with just like, okay, this is, and then just redirected my entire path and had no idea I would have gone into nonprofit. That was the last thing I would have thought I would have gone into nonprofit. But what I learned through fellowship and through community, like how important it is, man, when um, I remember at G4 when uh, Will O'Neill was saying, like, dude, who's your 3 o'clock friends? Do you have any 3 o'clock friends? I was like, I got a lot of midnight friends, but, like, 3 a.m. friends? Not so much, but uh, but it's just been such a blessing. And, like, dude, all my, like, 3 a.m. guys, they're here tonight and, like, super grateful for them. And, like, I get to call them at 3 a.m. Oh, more, more likely because we're all young dads, so we're we're up at 3 a.m. But, but uh, but it's just been such a blessing just to, just go all in just and just let God, you know, my life verse is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your understandings, and He will make your path straight. And I'm like, nonprofit, really? There's no profit, and like that, <laughs> but it's okay. It's been an honor. Go ahead, Phil. My biggest problem is definitely that person I look at in the mirror every single morning. That's the culprit that I got to watch out for. And uh, <clears throat> with me, I found out that there's two kinds of people in this world, people that are humble and people on their way to getting humble. And I'm one of those go big or go home people. And I know the uh, ego ain't your amigo. And uh, the heaviest drug I ever did is pride. My last book that I wrote is How to Build an Empire. And how to burn one down, and I'm probably better at the latter. Uh, start out in ministry, I was blessed. This happened, all of the things started happening. Before you know it, I'm on Christian TV program, and it's all wonderful. People are always asked, hey, how'd you do that? How'd that program happen? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then, no, you got to write a syllabus, a book, or something like that to teach us how you did it. Everybody want to know how I did it. And then I started believing a little bit like I knew what I was doing. When it really was all Jesus, I had no idea what I was doing. And so I went from mega church to mega fall, boom. But God's so cool, he don't give up on us. Pull me back up again, sends me out, you know. I get to work, build this place called the L.A. International Church and Dream Center. Everything's going great, boom, that's wonderful. Boom, then another fall to the ground there. And Humpty Dumpty was my story for a while. And when I hit the ground, it wasn't that easy to get back up again. And uh, at uh, 60 years old, I still wasn't done on that fun trip of getting to eat humble pie. And uh, Orange County, it was in the newspapers and stuff like that, but I ended up being locked up at the nice fresh age of 60 years old. And uh, they had me on a million-dollar bail. And while I was in the Orange County Jail, I had some time to pray. I had some time to think about things. My first thought was, why, Lord? But two seconds later is, what are you trying to teach me, Lord? And he said, I just want to show you how much I love you, how much I care about you. You know, how much I, don't matter what you've done, I just want your, I need your attention again. And um, just began, began a brand new love story in the Orange County Jail over there. Still going on. And uh, these are the best days of my life. The very best days of my life. And uh, like I said, that obstacle was me just realizing he, he is Lord, how great he is, and how wonderful he is. 
and that I get to serve him. I get to be part of his team. I get to be up here with these wonderful gentlemen and all you fellows out here. I get, get to eat the best food in the world tonight here. It was fantastic. It was amazing. The people just coming in here, being kind and nice. It's a, it's a wonderful life. Taking a few hard hits, but back in a good place now, and I plan on finishing strong. Thank you. Amen. Awesome. So final, final closing question to, to, there's a lot of guys here tonight. Again, thank you guys for being here on a, on a you know, Thursday evening on Veterans Day. Um, but I, I wanted, many of you guys probably um, have some passions, inspirations, and, des and desires that maybe God's brewing in and through you. And so I wanted you guys to leave them with some, some inspiration to take their passion, their purpose, and to use it for the kingdom. So any kind of closing, inspirational wisdom for the guys? I mean, for me personally, <clears throat> every passionate interest that we all have is a, is a calling that we can use to serve the kingdom. Um, you know, for my golf guys, if they love golf, dude, that's your, that's your harvest field. It's on the golf course. If you, if you love playing baseball, that's your harvest field on, on, on the diamond. I mean, Every, every guy here has, has a story and has a passion, which I love, and that's, that can be used for ministry. So it's like whatever God's put on your heart and whatever gift he's given you, embrace it and, and use it to serve. Um, and make sure you have a team. Make sure you have a community that can support you, and you can, you can have wise counsel to bounce that off of. Um, that's what I've been given, and that's what we want to do within our ministry is give that the same opportunity for those individuals that may not have had that opportunity or maybe don't know how to achieve that opportunity. And it's like, that's why I'm really passionate about it because I've been supported my entire life. Like I, I had an amazing father and he had an, he, and he was an amazing father because he served the ultimate father. And so that just kind of brewed into me. So I'm just so grateful for my dad who actually is here tonight and like, um, like, I don't know where I would be without him. So um, it's just empowered me to want to be a better father for my son. And um, that's why I, I love doing one of the ministries that we have here, Dad Game, and, like, working together as our dads and how we can be those, those dads. And so that's where I'm like, dude, let's align that. Yeah. Um. Well, I think I, I, I know why my dad pushed me to not settle, and it was for my mental health. I, that, that's the reason um, he struggled with, with, with that area and, and fell into drugs and alcohol, is he did settle, and he wasn't going to have that for his son, and, and thank God that he handed that to me. And yeah, I need it. I look forward to it, uh, going to a baseball field and sitting on a drum and, and singing ridiculous things and making kids smile, it is necessary for my mental health. So if you, <laughs> if you have something that you thrive on, you know you do, and it pays zero dollars, chase it hard because your mental health is way more important than a dollar. Um, And yeah, Mark Twain said it. You, how do you put a smile on your face? You, you put a smile on somebody else's face. So I chase that. that, that that's, that's where the music's at.
Well, I'd just like to leave you with, uh, we're all going through something. All of us are going through something, and we can be uh, the victim, or we can be victorious. And um, a wise man learns from his mistakes, but a wiser one, as we know, learns from the mistakes of others. And uh, hey, you can get my number anytime and call me up, and I'll tell you definitely what not to do. And I'll help you out on what you can do. And wise counsel, because one of my biggest problems was when I was doing the one-man show, you know, I didn't have anybody there to mastermind with or collaborate with and get ideals. I thought I had a great ideal all the time. And uh, some of those ideals didn't turn out to be so well. So I just want to leave you with what a blessing again. It's an honor. Man, God wants all of us just pull closer. He just wants us to delight yourself in the Lord. He will. Not he might. He will give you the desires of your heart. And that means he just wants you to get up on his lap and give you the big sloppiest loving kiss and hug you could ever imagine. Thank you. I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm just dropping everything tonight. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, when I, I took my very first position um, as an educator, I remember uh, contacting my wife and letting her know I got hired. And um, she said, well, how much are they paying you? And I said, you know, I never even asked them. <laughs> and, I, and I've never cared um, because um, I know that's where God has placed me. But there was a, 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 t a period in my life <clears throat> just before I joined the military that, and, and I, kinda, I really think this is important, um, that, and, and I think it fits the theme where, where what we've been sharing is for me and my pain, what I was, I went through uh, in the life, if you could have seen where I lived, um, you had to wash a dish just to eat something. And I so wanted to get away um, and I wanted to separate myself from being uh, the boy who had a, a heroin addict prostitute mom that some of the guys from my, my circle knew, and, you know, I wanted to separate myself from being the, the dumb kid in the class. Um, so I was gonna show everybody, the kid that got kicked off a cross country team because of grades. Um, so I set out to just set these goals. You know, it was just all about winning. It was all about achievement. Everything was about achievement, doing the best I could. I, I've got all my medals and I set them behind a door Really, when the door is always open, you can't see them. But that used to define me. That was my. That's that was my. What made me, and it was exhausting. It was exhausting. You know, th that's how I defined myself, and that's really what what happened is, when I was a principal, I was a principal of a very elite um, private school, and I finally got to a point where I said, "Why am I doing this?" So that people could say, you know. I could tell people and pass out my business card. And I got to a point where I said, God, this is not, you never even called me to be here, but he allowed me to get to that place where I was exhausted. And so my, my advice would be, you know, just as a, we've been sharing, it, it's not about, I have never felt like except during that period of my life that have I ever gone to work. I love what I do. I look forward to it. I hate sometimes the fact that I have to stop what I'm doing because I so enjoy spending time both on the military side. I love to stand in a formation. I love the, 
just hearing and seeing soldiers. At the same time, I get to leave that and go and spend time with students and see and partner with parents. And I, I know that's because God has called me to that. You have to find what your gift is and you have to take that step. And you know, it's, a, it's scary, but I'll tell you more and more when you know that God's calling you to do something and you do it, it's just an exciting adventure. Let's put it up for the guys. So I'd like to close and just pray for these guys. If you would extend a hand out to our panelists, we're going to pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for these men who, Lord, you, you got a hold of their life and you transformed it. And we pray you continue to bless them and their ministries that are all so different. And God, we're grateful for all the different things that you call us to as men. And I pray that you continue to fan their flame and to do great work. But also, God, there's a lot of men here. And they came here tonight. And I pray that they've been inspired by these men, but more inspired to follow you. More inspired to step into the things that you're calling them into. To step into the maybe scary things that you might be saying, this is, this is time. This is it. And I pray, God, that I know there's men tonight here who are struggling, who are suffering, who are hurting. God, would you meet them with a hope that only you could give, with an answer that only you could provide. I pray blessing over every man in this room. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here's a really quick thank you, guys. Uh, we want to make sure that we just pick up all the trash off the tables. Make sure you stop at the Mexico table, the Connect table. But then also, guys, really important, if you need prayer, we want to pray for you right over here by the cross. We'll have a prayer team. We would love to pray for you. Thanks for coming. Have a great night. Happy Veterans Day. Yeah.